Welcome to Profiles in Risk, the INS Nerds podcast, the only recurring podcast dedicated to insurance careers, insure tech startups, and insurance current events. We are your hosts, Carly Burnham, Tony Cañas, and Nick Lamparelli. You can find all of our podcasts, show notes, and other great insurance-related content at insnerds.com. Now, on to the show. Welcome to episode three of Profiles in Risk. I am your host, Nick Lamparelli. Today, we have a very special guest. I will be interviewing Alex Polyakov, who is the co-founder and CEO of LiveGenic, an award-winning real-time video collaboration platform for insurance claims. Alex, how are you? I'm doing well, Nick. Thanks for having me. Really uh, uh, look forward to speaking with you a little bit. I've been following your podcast previously, so uh, you know, thanks for the invitation. There's a lot of pressure on you. You are the first guest, so the first person I'm interviewing. So there are going to be some very high expectations, but I'm, I'm sure you can meet them uh, pretty well. Well, th- thanks for the vote of confidence. I'll do my best. <laughs> so, Alex, uh, can you talk to the audience and tell them what is LiveGenic? Sure. Uh, so, LiveGenic, uh, I guess, you know, our, our tagline is a real-time collaboration platform for insurance. Uh, but what does that actually mean? Um, collaboration can be done in multiple ways. So, for us, um, when we talk about collaboration, we really started with live video interaction for uh, customer service and support in, in the insurance space, uh, but we've been expanding ever since to include things like self-service and additional documentation and interactions that happen within the um, insurance ecosystem. So it's, it's everything from you know, messaging to uh, documentation tracking uh, to uh, assignments and distribution of work to uh, the interaction with a policyholder in many various forms. So this can be for all different lines of business, right? Correct, yes. I mean, uh, we originally um, started with property. We've been expanding into auto as well. Uh, But uh, the way things have uh, evolved over time, I mean, the startup uh, has to be very dynamic, and we often have conversations in in many areas. So, for example, we have some clients in loss control. We have clients in... um, uh, workers' comp, we have clients in underwriting, and one of the interesting things, we also have clients in disability assessments, which is something we have never uh, anticipated uh, when we started. So, yeah, we're line of business agnostic, workflow agnostic, uh, but uh, everything is really tailored towards the insurance process. So where did, where did the idea for LiveGenic originate? Uh, good question. So... Um, the idea started, uh, so we launched in March 2014, so we're three years old this month, which is pretty exciting. Uh, thank you. It's been, uh, it's been a tough road, lots of lessons learned, but pretty, uh, I mean, I love this industry, so I worked in all, uh, at Allstate about 15 years ago, um, you know, and I spent about seven years in Blue Cross Blue Shield, so insurance is one of those areas. But the idea actually started with uh, my friend and I, uh, he uh, launched a different startup before. Uh, things didn't really work out, but um, when they didn't, we had an idea of coming together and thinking about the industry a little bit. 
we did not think about the insurance. Uh, we actually looked at um, how widespread video collaboration technology has become. Uh, so we saw a big adoption of different conferencing systems. Uh, you know, everybody was m migrating to Link, to go to meeting, had visual conferencing added. Now we're talking three years ago when it was just accelerating. Then shortly after, we saw you know Meerkat and Periscope and other things. So video was becoming a much more prevalent technology for communication. And what led us to the idea was we saw that you could have two different types of solutions. One that allowed you to communicate with your friends in the social interaction. We saw uh, communication systems within businesses, so business to business. And we saw communication systems that were broadcasting also in social, so you could broadcast events. But what we have not seen is a solution around customer experience, meaning um, you know, for us, uh, my partner and I, we looked at the customer support in technology as one of the biggest things where, where we understood uh, the process. And we realized that it was very difficult to assess what the customers saw uh, when, when they called in to report the issue, especially on tangible items. I mean, we're talking router installations, printer support, uh, any kind of hardware support. So when we, when we looked to create the idea, it was all about how do I get a visual on the fly when the customer is calling for help? And how do I get them that help in, in, in the best way possible? So that became the premise of Labgenic. And um, even though we got started in uh, generic customer support and we ended up in call center space, uh, we've actually pivoted into the insurance by landing a small claims organization as a customer and they've been with us ever since. They got very excited about what we were doing. And that's kind of uh, set the future and the tone for our growth in insurance. Uh, so uh, it, it, I guess we're, we're actually recognized by bringing the value outside of the insurance industry in. And, and I think that's probably for the audience that's listening to the podcast. podcast that's the key, is that um, when you're too close to the industry, too close to problems that exist, it's difficult to think outside of the box. And it, you, you always need to hire people outside with a different perspective because they can bring in the points and concepts that um, have been adopted in other places into this industry. And that's invaluable, for especially at the insure tech stage um, and, and growth and the opportunities that are available at this point. So for, for an insurance company that might be interested in Livegenic, what's your value proposition? When you're, when you're speaking to them, how, how do you pitch uh, your particular uh, product uh, to, to get, it, to get a, you know, an old line legacy insurance company excited about what you could potentially do for them? So there's a lot of different benefits that we pitch, but uh, you know we're on the um, we're on the efficiency uh, aspect. I mean, previously a lot of carriers looked at the distribution as the number one um, interest in bringing in startups that do that, that help you know sell policies or process policies or handle agencies and things like that. It's actually changing over time. Right now. Uh, insurance carriers are beginning to pivot and, 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 and become more interested in making their internal operations efficient. So our value proposition is actually pretty simple. The, you know, 
we allow the claims process to be accelerated from you know seven to fourteen days to anywhere from instantaneously to several hours. Um, looking at it from a perspective that provides a tremendous value. In addition to that, um, what we do is we help reduce cost of the loss adjustment expenses because we can facilitate remote collaboration that could be done in multiple different ways, whether with live video, whether with self-service, whether with messaging or portals or you know any other uh, workflows in a way to help process claims quicker and to make sure that the policyholder experience is um, really great throughout you know this most complicated and, and really nerve-wracking step in their lives. Um, so we typically Everybody's interested, obviously. How do you, how do you get in front of the policyholders and do a good job? Um, and what's the process that we can supply? What we do is um, we kind of describe what our opportunity is to change the claims process because claims is still number one area for us. So, for example, for 75% of claims in the industry are high frequency, low severity, which means that it's heavy churn um, and volume, but the claim severity is very low. So we can help close those claims quicker and impact pending claim volume and help um, turn it through a lot quicker and, and more, much more efficient fashion. The next 25% of claims are mid-size, so we have solutions to improve that process as well to accelerate that claim cycle time by about 44% through our field documentation workflows. Um, we typically don't get involved with major, uh, you know, large losses, specifically because our benefit is on volume. And if somebody saves, you know, a couple thousand dollars on a multi-million dollar claim, well, you know, is it, is it valuable? Yes, but it doesn't scale well. Probably not. Then we'd probably fall into more of a uh, low priority solution in in those in those workflows. So are you saying that in 75% of the claims using the live Genic solution, um, with the collaboration, you potentially don't even have to send an adjuster out, that the the entire process can all be wrapped up within the within the live Genic platform? Correct, yes. But, uh, you know, obviously uh, it it's, gets a little bit more challenging because out of that 75%, the customers really, and, and this, is, this is probably a point I should make, we live in, in a certain time in insurance uh, where it's not only that millennials now are the largest demographic, but also it is the consumer, the policyholder, who determines which channel they want to utilize to process their information. They are finally the, the primary person in control of the process. Previously, for insurance organization, it was it was okay to say, hey, we have some paper forms you have to fill out and instruct the policyholder in one and only one way to handle their claim. Not anymore. Today, policyholders expect a certain type of choices to be given to them for convenience and especially so they select their own channel of communication. So, for example, myself, I'm a Generation X. I prefer a guided approach. I want to really get under the covers. I want to understand why a claims process is this way, why am I doing what I'm doing, and have somebody really educate me as they're handling my claim. Um, you know, we have, for example, a colleague of mine 
Uh, he's a millennial, and uh, you know his approach is totally different. He wants he doesn't want to talk to anyone. He doesn't want to hear anyone. He just wants you know email communication that basically says things are done or here's a list of things you have to submit. So right now it's all about the customer selecting their path of communications and their comfort level, and and that's the the critical aspect. So can we can we tackle the entire 75%? Yes, but chances are it's going to be a segmentation of each phase because it depends on the demographic of the policyholder, it depends on the line of business, uh, it depends on a lot of different things, even on the insurance carrier model um, and the type of policy they write. In, in your particular model, there's not, would you suspect that claims adjusters should worry about their jobs, you know, or is live, the Livegenic platform more of a, um, an aug augmentation of, of the claims process? So, very good question, Nick. I guess, you know, the type of technology that we are working on uh, scares quite a few people, especially, you know, folks that go out on the field and that's their job. Um, so it's being criticized in many places, but I think that's kind of a short, uh, a very short-term view. It's it's very short-sighted, and the reason is, first one is we haven't seen uh, the ability for us to shrink the headcounts. Um, you know what we see is that adjusters are constantly pressured to do more in the same amount of time, and there's a big shortage of claims adjusters in the industry. Uh, I should probably say high quality uh, claims adjusters in the industry. As a result, there's always more demand than there is the supply. And so what the industry is trying to do is tackle business models where they can handle scalability without paying an arm and a leg for it. So they're looking for an efficient process because the insurance business is very difficult. When the volume of claims goes up, there has to be some kind of scalability built in to respond in the same amount of time, in the same fashion to all of the policyholders impacted, whether it's a catastrophe event or it's a blue sky regular, um, you know, insurance organization operation. So it's a complicated, it's a complicated business. What we provide is the ability to scale it with technology. So you can use the same headcount, you can be efficient, and you can maintain that same level of quality and detail that you'd be looking in a, uh, in uh, blue sky events as you would expect to get in heavy catastrophe. So that's our mission. So um, what most people don't realize is that adjusters are knowledge workers, and they're more than just people in the field. Uh, their biggest value in what they do is the knowledge for how to process the claim, how to uh, assess its scope, size, size scope, and, uh, uh, and extent of the damages, how to really be able to document and ask the right questions in the process. And um, a lot of times, these questions can be asked remotely. So we've seen a lot of great companies like Snapsheet implement the remote damage appraisal process. We see other, other types of companies like WeGoLook OnSource that implement uh, the Uber of field adjusters, which is replacing the field adjusters with a gig, gig economy, uh, meaning it's utilizing any resource in the field to do 
um, field, field loss documentation. And I think those models, the Ubers of you know, field adjusting using non-certified uh, resources, unlike adjusters, uh, that is what will threaten the adjusting model more rather than our technology. We're simply an enable enablers to the efficient process because what we do is more about documentation than it is about the video or the pictures or the collaboration uh, because the documentation in the insurance carrier is the most critical um, piece of information within the claims or underwriting process. Okay, so let, let's, lock, let's walk through an example. Um, I get into an auto accident and I call my insurance company. What happens? Where, where does LiveGenic come in and, and walk me through what the interaction would be between the insurance company and the claimant? Sure. So let's imagine that um, you, know, you call in to the 800 number to report the loss after the accident. I mean, I would presume that that would be your your most likely answer to uh, filing a claim, right? I'm not, I'm not a millennial, so I, I would prefer to call someone and just get it over with, yes. And the interesting thing is most people will, including the millennials. I mean, it's a critical process. Filing things online sounds glamorous and sounds like it makes sense, but it's, there's a lot of other things involved, including asking questions. And each insurance carrier will eventually, if not in the first process, call the, call the policyholder back and uh, ask for a little bit of clarity. So imagine that you're calling the 800 number, you get routed to me, I'm the inside claims rep, and I would tell you, Nick, I'm very sorry that you're experiencing this, but I'm glad to be of help. We can send someone out. It may take a few days. Or if you have a smartphone handy, well, I can send you a text message with a link to download and install a very small app. With this app, I'll be able to see through the camera on your smartphone. I'll be able to verify the damages and maybe handle the entire claims process remotely. Would you like to give that a try? I, I would, yes. Most people say yes. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those things where um, you know it took us a while to bring up the delivery, but once we nailed it, 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 most people say yes to that. So as a result, I would send you a text message, and while we're on the phone with you, and by the way, we have a patented solution around uh, doing that. that because we've created it all, we were the first to create, uh, instead of a conferencing, uh, more of an um, on-the-fly video with a customer on the phone. So when you install the app following the link, um, you will fire it up. I'll instruct you how to start it, and I'll be able to see through the camera, and I'll be able to provide you instructions live of what, I, of what damages I'd like to see and verify. And so it's an it's a on-the-fly simple, you know, let's close it right away process and get all of our documentation together. That's how the live collaboration would work. So the adjuster can essentially tell the claimant, you know, move closer, move to the left, and then also capture photos and videos through the camera of the smartphone so that the, so that the documentation is complete. There's a visual reference um, of, of the damage, the adjuster can then, uh, depending on the claim, and like you said, the 75%, that's high frequency, low severity, they can uh, figure out what the damage is, and the claimant gets their, their money in you know, a day or two or whatever. 
that's the goal. I mean, we're, you know, on our side, we don't handle the financial uh, transaction. Okay. But, you know, if the carrier has that set up, there's nothing that would prevent them to do just, you know, handle the entire claim remotely and supply even the check several hours after. So, so it all really depends on the process internally to the carrier, but that's the ideal. You know, you see the damage, it's very clear, you're verified. And by the way, there are systems, estimation systems, at least in an auto, where you can turn things around really quickly. And they're with, with a very strong, you know, confidence uh, of accuracy um, and, you know, really are excellent systems. So as a result, we would be enabling that process uh, to help handle those claims as soon as, uh, as they commit. Uh, now, obviously, um, customers may not be next to the vehicle when they're calling in, and that's actually uh, somewhat of a, of a challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't know that the service is available, so uh, that's why still self-service is more of a leader in the private passenger vehicle space because customers are used to reporting losses when they're not uh, at the site of the accident, but they report it while they're driving you know, home or they just got to work, so uh, they report it a little bit later. As a result, there's really no vehicle to take a look at at that moment in time. But we've proven with video, that video collaboration process, uh, it's actually 37% more accurate in, um, in the estimation of the vehicle damages uh, as opposed to writing things on pictures. So the context has a lot to do with it. You know, video is worth a, a thousand pictures, right? <laughs> or uh, whichever is the way, uh, um, whichever is the way you, uh, th that statement goes, but uh, it, it, the context is, is probably the most critical. Now, what if the claimant has poor internet connectivity? So if, if they have poor internet connectivity, there's real-time pictures, meaning you can just go with pictures only. Uh, but you know, for us, our streams are pretty adaptive, so we try to aim towards the highest quality of the bandwidth available. Um, obviously, you know, if somebody has no internet connection, then you know, self-service is still the best avenue after that. Okay. So I'm, I'm very curious, how, how, would, how would a claim get adjusted on the disability side how do what 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 is your how is LiveGenic inserted into that type of claims adjustment? So very interesting, very interesting. So um, there are insurances that basically pay for disability coverage uh, for employees. They're you know business insurances, and if somebody is injured or, or you know has any kind of disability, the America Disability Act requires that. Um, everything possible is done for that worker to be able to perform their duties. And, you know, there's regulations to do as much documentation as possible. So what most people don't realize is that day in, day out, there are people that fly all over the country and take a look at workers' environments in order to suggest improvements to their environment so they can continue doing their job. And, you know, what we, the way we're, we, we're being applied in that process is it exactly that same way. Eliminating the need to travel while still being able to capture and document all the necessary information, streamline it so there's a decision making that's made and the documentation steps uh, to cover the claim and, and make the right decision. It actually is very similar to workers' comp. I mean, you know, there are two types of, two types of nurses. There's telephonic nurses, they're always on the phone, and there's case management nurses. They always travel on site to see the patient. Now, can telephonic nurses 
utilize visual technology to um, to work remotely and get the information remotely? Absolutely. And that would probably eliminate the uh, the challenges for the case nurses to travel all over the place. But then there's also an industry shortage on case management nurses as well. So, you know, I, I, we're, we're constantly recognizing that there's a shortage of the type of resources that's already experienced and that we, we can we can help optimize it and, and improve some of the work process uh, as well. So I, I would suspect using the same platform, have you have you considered or thought about also applying that collaborative platform towards property inspections? So, you know, uh, instead of uh, paying for an inspector to go out and circle the property and note uh, things that are going on with the property, um, have you have you could you use LiveGenic or have you thought about moving into in that direction as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we we do property claims. Um, we're integrated with contractor networks that do you know, inspections day in day out. Uh, we do have loss control clients that do uh, inspections before the policy uh, is written to improve. You know, uh, to suggest improvements uh, that would impact the um, the premiums uh, and lower them. So there's you know there's lots of different use cases where we are applied. And the best part about our technology, we're not limited to anything. You know, it's all about the workflow. I mean, we're technical founders, myself and my partner. So um, as a result, technology is our core competency, and we really do it well. Uh, we're excited about it. We're strong in it. I mean, we worked some of, with some of the leading uh, corporations around the world, you know, designing world-class software. So we're used to that. Um, the question is really how does the how do you structure the workflow inside of a given business where we can improve its operations, and that's where we work very closely with our clients. We do workflow prototyping sessions. We make sure that we suggest the right avenue. So um, our biggest strength, and I think the biggest strength of working with any startup in the insure tech space, is we're not, um, a, a, you know, a repetitive kind of single workflow solution. We love figuring stuff out. We love solving problems. And if the carriers or any insurance organization is willing to explain what their challenges are, we can help suggest a solution. So what do you look for when you are hiring someone? Oh God, good question. <laughs> I guess a little bit more about me. Um, you know, so um, I'm very big on the word team, and I know that it, uh, you know, it's probably an overused scenario. But I spent three and a half years as a volunteer fireman in the fire service, nationally certified. So I do everything possible for my team. And you know, so when hiring somebody, I look for. Number one is experience is probably the least of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for uh, dynamic thinking. I'm looking for ownership, which you can't delegate ownership. Somebody has to take it. I'm looking for that drive, the energy. I'm looking for the curiosity because if somebody's not curious, it's easy to get complacent, and we don't have the luxury in startup to do that. I'm looking for... Uh, lack of fear, you know, don't be afraid to pick anything up. If you have an idea, go for it. For example, you know, the infrared capability that we've recently delivered, that was not brought to us by, you know, us, the founders thinking of it. 
but rather uh, by um, a new hire that we hired straight out of college. Uh, and he was brilliant to come up with that, saw it somewhere on the, on the blog and brought that in. And, you know, as a result, we've partnered the organization to deliver that capability. So we're always looking for a lot of different things. And as a startup, there's always the need to be versatile. Uh, you know, we wear a lot, a lot of different hats. And then one personal, personal, um, um, value that I like is, being very, very customer-centric. And by customer-centric, I mean always think, what is it that we can do to help? It doesn't matter how far we go. Sometimes we can't right away. Sometimes it takes a little bit of, uh, um, of time for us to do that. But every, every opportunity we have to improve someone's life, I want to know about it. I want to be able to think about those scenarios. I want to know what things are coming next. And how do we position ourselves to be, um, you know, uh, to deliver all of the value that's being asked for us from, from the ecosystem? Um, so that, in my opinion, would uh, create a great hire for, uh, for my team. So for a, a millennial that is potentially listening to this podcast, uh, what are the pros and cons of working for a startup versus getting hired by a traditional insurance company? Um, well, I think um, it's it's really all about experience, right? In the startup, you're going to be uh, a jack of all trades and maybe a master mm -hmm. of none. Um, it's it's all about being dynamic. It's not about you know a lot of it is very tactical work. You throw the, you, you throw yourselves into all kinds of things on the fly. And yes, we do work on our strategy, but our strategy is 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 not as longer term as the strategy with an insurance insurance carrier. So. Working within the insurance carrier, there are some pretty innovative carriers out there. I guess it really depends on the team where you end up, uh, but it's more of a um, you know traditional corporate approach. Although a lot of the carriers I've seen are mimicking their internal behaviors, and even their offices are looking like startups. I mean, there's a there's a, a much more different vibe to it. I mean, I was used to working in a, in a grayed out cubicle when I started. And having attended meetings with uh, some of the leading insurance carriers uh, across the country, I mean, I've seen offices that should basically say, "Wow, is this Google?" You know, and uh, and I think I think the the it's changing rapidly, and and there's a lot that carriers are willing to do for young professionals looking to enter. The uh, the critical thing is just to put yourself out there, and not. Um, Make a decision based on the general stereotypical. Oh, this is insurance. It's it's corporate. It's big. It's slow. It's complicated. I think those uh, those may not be the right adjectives. I think it's really all about asking for the right opportunity and looking for one. I mean, I for myself, in the second year of college, I uh, went to my mother and I said, "Mom, uh, I don't want to be a computer programmer. I hate this. I'm going to quit." You know, are you okay with that? And I wanted to drop out of college. And she said, uh, well, I'll support your decision, but have you had your first internship yet? And I said, well, no, but I can't really see myself sitting in a chair all day long. And, you know, it's boring, and I don't really want to do this. And she said, well, listen, go take your first internship. Find out what the real job is about, but do yourself a favor. When, you're, when, you, when somebody offers you an internship, don't just take any internship. Ask for what you're going to do. 
don't don't accept the internship to be a tester. Ask for development because that's what you're going for. And I did. So imagine a young kid popping up into uh, into uh, an interview, and there's a bunch of you know hiring managers standing there, and I go, I want development. They're like, well, you have a tester position for. I go, I'm not interested. To the point where they were so surprised that I kept pushing back on the tester that they said, they, they said, you know what, we might have a developer position available for you. And they gave it to me. Um, so it was, it was lucky. I asked for what I wanted and I got it. And as a result, uh, in six months, um, I was, I became a really good developer. Uh, I had professors lining up to check work for their students. I had other students line up when I was in the lab to ask me questions. All of a sudden, I knew things, and it was—it only took six months to do so. So, I've learned a lot, and I think that kind of set my whole career. Even the fact that I'm here now is on that choice in that critical pivotal moment. But I would recommend that every millennial that's looking for a career in insurance does a little bit of research and really asks for the right role. That's critical from from getting something that's you know, kind of boring and just a job or really a career because um, what I've come to uh, really appreciate is a lot of times you end up in the insurance conference and nobody in the conference has ever said that they wanted to be in insurance, True. but everybody that got into it said they loved it and they really uh, are grateful that they took the, the, the chance uh, because that set their whole life apart. And... Um, you know, so that would be my advice. Maybe the word insurance is not sexy in the in the in the job postings, but it's definitely there's plenty of uh, problems to solve, just many different areas to go to, and it's really working with lots of people, which, in my opinion, is uh, very exciting. It's far from my mundane as it seems. Yeah, that's great advice. Really good advice, and and I agree with you. Um, I, I could probably count on one hand um, anyone in the industry that fully intended to get into the industry. Like they actually studied it in school and had it as a career aspiration. Almost everyone I know fell into it in one way or another. And, you know, at INS Nerds um, on, the blog, on the blog site, we're constantly touting all of the fun things that you can do. And, and and that's quite honestly why I wanted to have you on because you do bring a very interesting perspective. Uh, here's a, here's a technical guy who came into insurance solving a very, very big problem in the industry in a way that uses a ton of technology. So it's, you know, it's essentially whatever technology company and millennials thinking of it's that company just geared towards insurance. So. Yeah, and I and uh, you know, like maybe you can share how you ended up in insurance yourself. I mean, I'm sure you have just as fun of a story. Yeah. Well, uh, we did we did on episode one. I mean, I was <laughs> I was in I was in uh, trying to get a medical degree, a graduate degree, and um, I had been out of school for two to three years doing research, and I just could not see myself going back to school for four, five, six, seven years, and I heard the magic words one day, a friend of mine that I went to high school with said, uh, I'm taking over my dad's agency. I need help. Everybody needs insurance and you'll make a ton of money. And that that's all I needed to hear. And I was in. 
didn't quite work out the way I thought it would, but uh, there was there was enough interest there that I, I I kept it going. And and now look at me, I'm a podcaster. So there you go. No, yeah, you're, you're in my mind. You're an insurance doctor. You know. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so Livegenic is based in Philadelphia. What's the startup scene like in Philly? Uh, so Philly is known to be tech and life sciences. So we do have a lot of prominent names and a lot of you know pretty uh, pretty big exit exits uh, you know that the city has uh, has seen. Um, uh, there's quite a bit of uh, you know B two C companies out there uh, with their own products and offerings and startups that are popping up. Uh, you know a lot of them got into you know gained a lot of visibility, including you know Shark Tanks and the, and a bunch of others. So. You know the startup scene is is is, is pretty good. Um, the venture community is rather different. It's very conservative, uh, as opposed to Silicon Valley or maybe New York, Boston. Um, but uh, you know I, we love the city. It's been my hometown for 23 years. So um, uh, can I see myself moving somewhere? Yeah, maybe. Uh, but uh, you know everything still brings me home to Philly for uh, for numerous reasons. So, um, it's a it's a great city, and you have uh, great cheesesteaks and other wonderful food all around your office. So yeah, I can I can imagine you'd want to stay. Uh, I would too. Um, <laughs> so um, since you're uh, we're getting near we're getting near the episode, and so um, one thing that I'm very curious about, since you do bring a technical background and you've seen so many changes over the years in your particular industry. And now you're in ours um, and have settled in and made it quite quite a home for yourself. I'm wondering, where do you see the insurance industry in five to 10 years? What, what do you think will be the big uh, technical advances uh, that we'll be, you know, we'll be dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis in five to 10 years? Oh wow, uh, it's a very, very big question. Um, I'm not sure that I'd be able to succinctly answer my vision, but I think what we will see in the next five to ten years is a convergence of a lot of different technologies to uh, change the reactive insurance process into the proactive. There's a big push in preventive insurance, meaning, you know, instead of being efficient in the claims process, how do we stop claims from happening in the first place. So the IoT initiatives are huge around, uh, you know, taking care of claims that are non-catastrophe driven. So I think what we will see is the industry splitting up into two sections. There will be um, everything to prevent the claims from happening up front in the blue sky events, and there will be a CAT operation where uh, you know designed for measure major catastrophes that is aimed to handling the catastrophe claims as soon as possible because those cannot be controlled by IOT. So obviously there's going to be a lot of uh, um, other things that are involved. Risk models are, are evolving. Even policies themselves are, are going to be changing. What we see in the claims process, for example, is a shift from claims process to claims fulfillment. And that's a very big shift. So instead of actually going in and providing policyholders with a check and still a headache on the restoration or the repair, it's 
trying to help the carrier, uh, trying to help the policyholders go from a claim all the way to the pre-claim condition uh, without worrying about money, without worrying about the process, and with the best quality control that's over, overseen um, the recovery process. So that's what we're going to see changing in many different aspects. Obviously, I'm, I'm probably talking more about PNC, uh, but there's a lot of initiatives happening both in life and, and many other places. I guess, you know, I got I to gotta be uh, open about my own ignorance. You know, I try to plug ourselves into where, into the areas where um, where we operate, and I understand very well. Even though we do look out left and right, um, but those are the generic trends that I have seen. Uh, you know, the data and data analytics. People mention those all the time, uh, as if it's something that you just plug in and get. I think that's going to be an evolving schematic uh, built into a lot of the technologies and solutions because. I don't think the industry still has learned how to utilize all of the data that it, ha that it, it is receiving and be able to crunch it and handle it. Um, artificial intelligence and machine learning, those, uh, there's practically no limit to how far those systems can go. They will continue evolving, um, but we're going to need to, we're going to start seeing some real life uh, applications. They're very narrow at this point, limited. Uh, but they keep expanding and, and becoming better. So it's pretty exciting time. Many new things are going to be created, but there's still a lot of segments that are built in, in, in different separate components that need to be converged, and we should see that in the next five to ten years start um, moving along a lot more aggressively. Yeah, that's a very good answer, it, and it very much aligns with the way that I've been seeing it as well, uh, prevention is going to be huge. Um, it has to be, and I, I think it's it's just in everybody's interest. You know, the insurance company and the insured, and I think uh, you know, creating creating more wealth in society will come from just be, being it reducing future losses and uh, diverting the, the, the capital that would have gone to losses to other things. Uh, and you're right, uh, data is, uh, I know firsthand, we have more than we can handle, and uh, there's so much more that's uh, gonna happen. I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when a claimant uses the Livegenic platform to interact with a chatbot, not even an adjuster, <laughs> video to a chatbot, then you'll know that we're We've come, we've come uh, pretty far. So, um, Alex, we're at the we're at the end of the podcast. So I want to thank you for being the very first guest to uh, have the guts to come on and and be be interviewed. And if uh, if anyone's interested in getting a hold of you, how can they find you? Uh, pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm uh, available on LinkedIn. My contact information is written right there in the profile. Uh, it's just alex at livegenning.com if somebody wants to email me. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions or be of value if anybody wants to just uh, get someone's opinion or, you know, to get somebody's perspective. I don't know if I have all the answers. I probably do not. Uh, but I'm happy to be of, uh, you know, of use to anyone that's considering any career in insurance or any, uh, you know, launching any startup in this space. It's, it's pretty exciting. It's difficult to navigate at first, but, uh, you know, I think 
um, there's quite a lot of entrepreneurs that have learned how to um, how to build their businesses and insurance that can help. And you know, I'm certainly happy to you know provide my two cents if anybody wants you know a second opinion or second pair of eyes on things. My guest today has been Alex Polyakov of LiveGenic. Alex, thanks for being the first guinea pig on Profiles and Risk. Yeah, my, my pleasure, Nick, and thanks again for the invitation to participate. You know, I do look forward, and maybe uh, maybe we can do this again sometimes. <laughs> but I'll certainly be looking. We definitely will. Thank you, Alex.